chapter 6. John 6. I've entitled this, The Sign is in the Bread. And I want to start from verse 3. Jesus went up on a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jewish people, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread, that these may eat? But he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. So Philip answered him, Well, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them. That's probably what was in their money till, in their offering box. How are we going to get enough that every one of them might even have just a little? Then one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a young boy here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they for so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in that place. So the men sat down in the number of about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves. He took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down. And likewise, <coughs> excuse me, of the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come. In all four Gospels, this miracle sign is recorded. All four. Now obviously the great sign is the multiplication of bread and fish. But there is another sign here. That is very significant, but it's not as obvious as the multiplication. And the key verse of both signs, the one that's hidden and the one that's obvious, are both in verse 11. But I want us to see how this verse 11, <clears throat> how it's recorded in the other three Gospels, because John has his way of writing it, that the Spirit led him, and the other three Gospel writers felt led to write it in the way in which the Spirit led them. But I think it's important that we look at how all of them wrote this account. And they record the exact same miraculous sign in one verse. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. <clears throat> First one, Matthew 14, verse 19. It says, He commanded the multitudes to sit down in the grass. We've heard that. And he took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave out the loaves to the disciples. 
and the disciples gave to the multitudes. Mark's account, Mark 6, 41. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven. He blessed. And then he broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before the multitude the two fish he divided among them all. Now Luke's account. Luke 9, 16. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and he broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. In our rich Jewish heritage, bread represents life. It's called the staff of life. And as I was pondering this miracle or this sign, something lit up in my heart and in my mind. And I heard these words in my heart. The sign is in the bread. Then I heard a little expounding on it. What I did with the bread is what God does with your lives. So what did Jesus do with the bread that we've read? Well, throughout the Gospels, there's an amazing pattern recorded of how Jesus handled bread that we just easily miss. But there are four things that are consistent. He took it. He blessed it. He broke it. And he gave it out. You remember the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Revelation came to them of who he was when they saw the way Jesus handled the bread. Luke 24, 30 and 31. Now it came to pass that as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened. And they knew him. And he vanished from their sight. Wow. What an encounter with the living God. My prayer today is that the Lord would open our eyes to be able to know Jesus better. When their eyes were opened, they knew him in a greater capacity. That's my prayer for each of us today. That God could open our eyes and open our hearts to know him better. All right, that was on the road to Emmaus. We saw that similar to the multiplication of the loaves and fishes. How did Jesus handle the bread? Well, how about the Last Supper? Jesus followed the exact same pattern. Matthew 26, 26. While they were eating, Jesus took some bread. And after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. He took it, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it out. 
Precious primetime saints, there is something very holy about the way that Jesus handled bread. He was born in a city called the House of Bread. Beit Lechem, House of Bread. Bread is significant in the life of Jesus. So again, I say what Jesus did with the bread is what God does with our lives. So let's take a look a little bit more closely at this, the hidden sign in the bread. First, he takes. He takes only that which is fully surrendered to God, fully surrendered into his hands is of real value to him. And there's a general surrender at the point of salvation. Oh God, I give you my whole life. But then there are countless areas of specific surrender that come with sanctification. The Spirit starts to move in our hearts and says, I want you to surrender that habit. I want you to surrender this attitude. I want you to surrender that relationship. That's because surrender is a lifelong process. It's just not at the point of salvation. It's still happening today. I'm still surrendering things to God, and I've been in the kingdom for 52 years and still surrendering. The Lord wants all of us to give to Him our current situations, our relationships, and our struggles. He's there with outstretched hands. Give it to me. I want to take it away. He also wants to share his hopes and his joys. And I sense that the Lord is calling us today. Fully surrender that to me. And the Spirit will show you what that is. You know personally what God is referring to. And he's calling all of us, I want you to let go. And I want you to let me take that because I take. He took the bread. First thing. Then he blesses. As we surrender more of our hearts to the Lordship of Jesus, we end up becoming more aware of his great blessing on our lives. Things that happen to us that are great are not just coincidences. They're not just a, a good fortune or a special opportunity. No. They're not just good luck. They are true blessings from God and He wants us to recognize His hand in blessing us. Many of us can testify to the merciful and timely gifts that the Lord has so abundantly blessed each and every one of us. He blesses abundantly. And then he breaks. This is a very difficult part of the kingdom process. But it is necessary. God had a specific purpose in allowing Job to suffer as he did. A very specific purpose. Perhaps he wanted Job to be a model for all generations. Demonstrating that the righteous do, in fact, suffer sometimes 
And God's purpose is to bring all of us through our times of difficulty, through our times of breaking, through our times of suffering, through our times of adversity, to a place of victory in Him. And one of the tests that many great men and women of God have undergone is to suffer a damaged reputation. And one of the tests where others uh, are serving God, we need to be very, very careful because perhaps the Lord isn't displeased with us when we're in a time of adversity. He just wants to show us more of himself. That's why we've got to be careful not to judge or to slander someone who's going through a, a trial. Huh. That person might be so greatly loved and favored of the Lord that he's create, he allowed another difficult struggle and test to take place to manifest a greater measure of his glory. One thing's for sure, the greater the suffering, the greater the glory that can come from it. The greater the suffering, the greater the glory God can get from that. And Calvary is the ultimate illustration of that. Look how much glory God got through what Jesus went through. You know, God's ways are always higher than ours. Always. Always. And there is a suffering that comes with the loss of a loved one. In seeing a family member walk away from God. In knowing that a loved one is resistant to the Lord's love. Or even in seeing someone in great pain. Many people have hard experiences that we cannot and never will understand. But let me say this. There is eternal purpose in our pain. That's worth writing down. There is eternal purpose in our pain. Let the Holy Spirit remind you of that the next time you're in a painful situation. There's an eternal purpose in it. Jesus learned to live in greater obedience to the Father through the things which He... Two over here know what it is. It's the young adults. Through the things which He... Suffered. Suffered. He learned obedience to the Father through adversity. There's an eternal purpose in all of our pain. So rather than binding Satan and casting him out, we need to draw close to God and say, Lord, what do you want to teach me in this situation? What is your eternal purpose? And I know that obedience has to be a part of it because it was in the life of Jesus. Hmm. Jesus suffered not just physically. He suffered deeply emotionally. There were things that he went through that totally broke his heart. His whole family misunderstood him. Sound familiar? My family didn't understand what I was doing. 
When I got born again, they just looked, hmm. Jesus knows that. Hmm. His family didn't understand his calling. Man, all of his friends, they abandoned him. His closest friends even denied him. Perhaps God is looking to reach deep into our into who we are and look to totally possess an area of self-will. When things aren't going our way, we realize the universe doesn't revolve around us. But instead we realize that we have a greater need for the Lord and should express that to Him. Carrying our cross and following Jesus is a significant part of our being transformed and conformed into the image of Jesus. You remember how Jesus cried out to the Father in Gethsemane? Not my will, but yours be done. Man, he was sweating drops of blood. He was in such anguish. Our Father in heaven wants to bring each and every one of us here today to that same place of total surrender. God's will. He takes, he blesses, he breaks, but then he gives out. Then he gives out. Friends, God's salvation is not meant just for you and me. It's meant for us to give away. God expects us to be vessels, not cisterns. A vessel is poured into and then poured out from. In and out. You see, if it just comes in and stays there, it's a cistern. Cisterns get moldy. The water needs to go through a whole different purification process if it's just sitting there. God's called us to be vessels, chosen vessels, not to be cisterns that only hold water. For itself. I think the bottom line in giving out is that we are not the final resting place of God's blessings. Part of his giving us out may be in the form of serving others or maybe sharing the blessed hope of our salvation with someone or giving financially. All of these and a whole lot more are blessings to our Father and to those around us. And countless people were blessed with the bread that was given out that day in the Galilee. Over 5,000 men, not counting the women and the children. Now, can we see this pattern other than just these examples that Jesus showed us and that's recorded by the gospel writers? Yes, we can. How about Abraham? Abraham. God took him from his country. God blessed him abundantly with flocks and herds and prosperity. And then God broke him with the Ishmael situation and the potential offering of Isaac. Broken. But finally God gave Abraham to be the father of countless descendants, as many as the sands of the sea and the stars in the heaven. So God did with Abraham what Jesus did with the bread. What about Moses? 
Another key star biblical figure. God took him from his parents who had given him to God. God then blessed him in Pharaoh's palace for many years with education and prosperity. And then God broke him in the desert. Forty years. Wow. Mm. God did that before he returned to Pharaoh, who was like his dad. Finally, Moses was given by God to be the deliverer of his people. Wow. God took, blessed, broke, and gave out. And how about Jesus? Our Messiah, our Savior, our Lord. The Father took Jesus from heaven and sent him on a divine mission to earth. God blessed his life and ministry with wisdom and grace and power. And then God broke him in the Garden of Gethsemane and the trial and the desertion of his disciples and in his death on the cross. But it didn't end there. God then gave Jesus to be the only Savior of the entire world and sat him at his right hand in glory and majesty. So here's what I feel the Lord wants me to share with you today. Friends, these four phases are going to come to us throughout our spiritual growth in the kingdom of God. And often I have seen in my life more than one is an operation at the same time. He's blessing me and saying, okay, I want you to give. Uh, he's breaking my heart and I'm drawing closer to him and he's taking things from my heart. Each of these four phases is necessary if we are going to walk in the fullness of what God has for us. It's also important to note that in all four of these stages, the bread never left the hands of Jesus. It was there in every stage. And the bread was safe in his hands. Why? Because he was in complete control. So we need to acknowledge and recognize God's sovereignty in all of these phases that we go through and even the painful breaking one. So I want us to just pause for a moment. Lord, would you help us recognize a phase, one of these four phases in your taking, blessing, breaking, or giving out. Show us what you want us to do as a result of this word today.
Lord, you reminded us uh, through Solomon and Proverbs, in all your ways acknowledge him. In all of our ways. Feel the Lord wants to encourage you this morning. He has not left you or deserted you at all. He knows exactly where you are today. He knows everything that you have been through, that you have walked through, and even what you are facing right now. But he wanted to remind you that this process is an eternal process of God working out and working in his salvation into each one of those who are called by his name. He takes, he blesses, he breaks, and he gives out. For sure, your life is completely safe in the hands of Jesus, just as the bread was. Thank you for this, Lord. We love you this morning. We bless your name. Amen. All right. We